1: here's what I know. Whether you are affected by a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake, you're going to have some type of crisis in your life. And it may may not be a literal storm that is coming through, but there's going to be some hard places to get through in life for every single one of us, right? Uh, We're all going to be facing some type of a crisis in our lives. So I want you to take out your sermon notes and really I want you to take notes on this because I'm going to share with you four things and then we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 4 down at the very bottom of your sermon notes and I'm going to pull three things out of that verse. These are some things that you will need to put into practice at some point in your life as you are faced with a tragedy, a crisis, a hard place in life to get through. Listen guys, this is not heaven right i mean jesus makes it easier and brings a little bit of heaven to us here on earth and some peace in our hearts and our lives but while we're here we're going to be we're going to be going through some hard places in life and that's one of the things going to make heaven so sweet is that it's going to be a place where there's no more dying there's no death there's no tears there's no crying there's no pain there's no heartache there's no separation whenever we get to heaven and i've alluded to heaven for the past three or four weeks now, so maybe I need to do a sermon series on on heaven and kind of unpack that a little bit. But this is not heaven here, right? I mean, we're going to have some hard places to get through. So today I want to try to help you a little bit with that and give you about four things that we need to be doing as we're moving forward through a crisis, whether it's a hurricane crisis, earthquake crisis, tornado crisis, It may be a financial crisis in your life. It may be a career crisis in your life. It may be a relationship crisis in your life. Whatever it is, we're going to be faced with crisis in our life. We're going to be faced with hard places to get through. So I want to try to put something in your hand, something in your heart, something in your mind, something in your possession from God's word that can help you get through some of these hard places in life that we have to go through. So I I really want you to jot some of these things down and pay attention to it. First of all, I want you to see in, in Psalm 11 and verse number three, the scripture says, when the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? When the foundations, when your world is being shaken, when it comes crumbling down, when it's crashing all around you, the psalmist, and this is David penning these words, he said, what do the righteous do in the midst of this crisis and this storm that's taking place? So what are we supposed to do when our world comes crashing down around us? This is This question is an age-old question. This was David that was asking this particular question in Psalm 11 and verse number three. Now, you got to realize that whenever David penned these words, he himself was a fugitive. He was fleeing for his own life. And we go back and we can study scripture and we'll see where the, where the Philistines were invading Israel. And not only was he fleeing from his life, from Saul's army, but there was a battle with the Philistine army as well. They were attacking from northern Israel all the way down through southern Israel. David now is in his own battle with his own people and his own so-called king, Saul, that's after him because he's jealous that David's going to overtake the kingdom, right? So David now is fleeing for his life, and it's pretty easy to see that David is in a crisis, He's in a hard place in his life. And he's asking this question. When the foundations are destroyed. What can the righteous do? I want you to look in your notes. Right above number one. It says if you were to ask God that same question. He would say. Worship me. In the midst of your crisis I want you to know, and I think I have a slide for that, don't I, Byron? Uh, hopefully I do. He, he will say, worship. Maybe I don't. I'm sorry. He will say, worship me. Now, what does it mean to worship the Lord? Here's what worshiping the Lord is. Worshiping the Lord is simply focusing on God. Anytime you are focused on the Lord, you are worshiping the Lord. So whenever you're going through a crisis, you know what you got to do? You've got to focus on the Lord. You've got to focus on God. So the Bible is teaching us that we've got to go to God for our help. And whenever we go to him in the midst of a crisis, what we're to do is to focus on him and we are to worship him. So whenever you are faced in your darkest hour, whatever the crisis may be in your life, whenever you are faced with that, I want you to just pay attention and know that you must focus on the Lord. Now, there's an interesting book of the Bible of an individual that went through a major crisis in his life. And there are some responses that we can glean from his life that will be good for all of us. And it's the life of Job. And I don't know how often you've gone and read and studied in the life of Job. And if it's been a while since you've gone there, I want to encourage you this week in your Bible reading time to start with Job chapter one and start reading a little bit about the life of Job. And here's what you're going to find out. You're going to find out that Job was in the middle of a crisis. But we're going to also find out that as soon as he found himself in a crisis, the very first thing that Job did was he fell down and he started worshiping the Lord. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, please, whether it's electronic, on your phone, on your iPad, uh, digital device you have, hard copy Bible you have. We're going to look at a little bit here in Job 1. I'm going to read verses 6 down through verse number 22. I'm going to glean down through there, but I want you to get this. Okay, because this is the crisis that Job found himself faced with and you're going to be faced with a crisis, maybe not exactly like Job's, but you're going to be faced with a hard place to get through. And there's some lessons we can learn from Job that I'm going to unpack for you here in just a moment and kind of show you a little bit of what we can do whenever we are faced with a crisis. You're going to need this. So I hope you're jotting this down. Job chapter one and verse number six, the scripture says, one day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. And the Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? And he says, from roaming through the earth, Satan answered him, and walking around in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, now notice, notice this. The Lord says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? <laughs> I don't know about you, but right there I pushed the pause button am uh, You talk about throwing somebody under the bus. Right? I mean, God's talking to Satan. Satan, what have you been doing? I mean, going up and down, in and through the earth, seeking who I may devour, trying to destroy all good, trying to just, you know, turn evil, or good to evil, and doing all these horrible things. And, and God says, huh? Oh, have you thought about Job? Now, I never want my name to be in there, do you? Right? You ever want God to say, hey, have you thought, hey Satan, you ever thought about Terry? Go down there and visit her a little bit. Right? I mean, we never want that, right? But oftentimes we are put to that test, and that's a whole other message, and I won't go there today. But fill your name in there. But look what he says about Job. He says no one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity, who fears God and turns away from evil. And Satan answered the Lord, "Does Job fear God for nothing?" And look what he says. Haven't you, this is Satan talking to the Lord, haven't you placed a hedge around him? Now that's what I want around me and my household. I want God's hedge. I want his protection, right? And and Satan even acknowledges that Job had this hedge of protection around him. And he tells the Lord, haven't you placed a hedge around him and his household and everything that he owns? Get this, Satan even acknowledges where every good and perfect gift comes from. And he says, you have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything that he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Let me ask you, how are you going to respond when everything is taken away? How are you going to respond when you lose that thing that may be the most precious thing you have in your life? That's kind of what Job is being faced with here. The Lord says in verse 12, very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, you must not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left his presence. Look out, Job. It's coming. Right? Right? You're getting ready to be right in the middle of a major crisis. Now, pay attention, church, that God is allowing to happen. Now, don't forget that, that God is allowing to happen. The reason I say don't forget that, the very last verse of Scripture I have in your sermon note gives us a reason. Don't go there yet. Don't steal my thunder. I'm going to get there. But gives us a reason why God allows some of these things to happen. If you want to know real quick, it's for his eternal purpose and our eternal purpose. He's working something in us. But God's allowing it to happen. Now look at verse 13 to follow. I'm going to glean this right here, okay? Just hit the high, high points. It says in verse 13, that one day Job's sons and daughters, they were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. A messenger came to Job and he reported. He said, hey, the oxen and the donkeys... that that have been out there, all of your ox, all of your donkeys, they've all been stolen, they've all been taken away, they've struck down all of your servants, everybody's dead except me and I've come to give you the word that all of your livestock has been stolen and all of your servants have been killed. While he was still speaking, in verse number 16, another messenger came and reported, there was a storm, there was a lightning strike that took place, that struck from heaven, it burned up all the sheep and all of their servants, and only I remained. And I've come to you to tell you, you've lost all of them. While he was still speaking, there was another report that came in to, to Job that the Chaldeans had come in. They had raided the area and all of his camels had been taken away. And all of his servants that were with them had been struck dead. But only he had escaped. Job is losing everything. One conversation after another, everything is being taken from him. Now, the most precious possession he has, his own family, while he's getting that report, the door opens, another messenger runs in, and we see that in verse number 18. He says, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the older brother's house, and suddenly a powerful wind swept in from the desert. There was a tornado, if you will, that swept in from the desert, struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on the young people. So they all died. And only I have escaped to tell you. Think that's a bad day that Job is having? Lost everything. Lost his estate. Lost his career. Lost his job, all of his cattle, all of his servants. Lost everything. And now the most precious thing, he's lost his children, his family. It's all gone. I want you to look at the response right after Job got the news. Wow. Look at his response in verse 20. Then Job stood up. He tore his robe. That's symbolic in Scripture as repenting. Job tore his robe, repentance and lamenting. That's crying out before the Lord. He shaved his head, another symbol of repentance, and he fell to the ground. You tell me what the next word is Worship. Wow. Job just lost everything. He didn't. He didn't send out a Facebook message and say, hey guys, everybody. Woe is me! You know he didn't play the role of a victim. He didn't say, "Everybody come serve me. I've just I'm going through a hard time." He says he ripped his robe off, shaved his head, symbolic of repenting, and fell on his face before God. And Scripture says he worshipped. And this is what he said: "Naked I came from my mother's womb." And naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Praise the name of Yahweh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. That takes a man that is grounded in his faith. That takes a person that that is grounded in their faith. To have a response like that once everything is taken from them. Mm. Church, i tell you. I, I think I have strong faith. But I honestly, I don't know until I'm really placed in that situation. I would hope and think that I would stay true to God. But I don't know. What about you? What are you going to do when the foundations of your life are destroyed? As David said in Psalm 11. When he was a refugee fleeing for his own life from King Saul. And the the Philistines were battling Israel from the north to the south. And it was a horrible time in his life. What are you going to do when you find yourself like Job? Everything is taken from you. Job (laughs) repented and fell on his face. And worship the Lord. Look at verse 22. This is important as well. Throughout all of this. Job did not sin. Or blame God. For anything. That's amazing. Through all of this. He did not sin or blame God. For anything. So let me ask you a question. What are you going to do? When you find yourself in the middle of a crisis. Real quickly, I'm not going to spend much time on these. I'm going to give it to you so you can fill in the blanks. And I hope you'll go and study a lot of this yourself. I want to give you this outline. I want to give you the final three steps we find in the last passage of Scripture on the bottom of your sermon notes. But guys, you're going to need this. I promise you. If you have not lived through a crisis in your life, I promise you one is coming. It's part of the test that we all have to go through in life. As a child of God. It's coming. Because God is working something in your life. That's my thunder for the end. I won't tell you any more about that. But God's going to allow some things to happen. If you haven't gone through a crisis in your life. I promise you one's coming. If you've gone through one. I can almost assure you. Another one's coming. It's just life. We're going to go through some hard places. So let's look real quickly. Whenever you're faced with in difficult times, what do you do? Number one, jot this down. Number one, you tell God exactly how you feel. Okay, you tell God how you feel. And Lamentations two nineteen says, "Arise and cry out in the night from the first watch of the night. Pour out your heart like water before the Lord's presence." What you've got to do, you've got to be real with your emotions. You've got to be real with your feelings. And you've got to tell God. You don't need to go tell everybody else. You just need to tell God get fall on your face before the Lord. When Job was when Job was renting or tearing his cloak, his robe off, when he shaved his head, he was repenting before the Lord. He fell on his face before God. No doubt he's telling God exactly how he felt because we see in Job 7:11 that's exactly what he did. He was telling God exactly how he was feeling, and that's our first thing we need to do. As soon as you find yourself in a crisis, I want you to know it's okay to unload your feelings to God. He wants you to do that. I will lift my eyes to the hill with coming my help. My help comes from the Lord, Psalm 121. Okay? So God wants us to call unto Him. You're going to go through some hard places. You're going to go through some crisis in your life. You're going to have some tragedy. You're going to have some heartache. It's part of life. Don't just lay around and wallow in it. Get up and fall on your face before God and cry out to Him and tell Him exactly how you feel. Amen? Let me read Job seven eleven to you. I want you to look at this verse of Scripture in Job seven eleven. I thought I had it in my notes here. Yeah, it says, therefore, I would not restrain my mouth. Job is saying, I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Now, who's he doing that to? He's not running over here to his neighbor and dumping on his neighbor and telling his neighbor how sorry his life is and all the bad things that's happened and how bad God must be to allow him to go through that. He's not doing that. He's talking to God. He's telling the Lord how he feels. So guys, I want you to know, it's okay. It's okay to be real with God. It's okay to pour out your spirit to the Lord. Some, or Job 7, 11, Job says he did that. He poured out his spirit in anguish to the Lord. He complained from the bitterness of his soul to God. God can take it. He's a big God, right? He can carry all your burdens. He can take care of all of that. So I want you to know, you don't have to, matter of fact, Lamentation 2.19 says, Arise and cry out in the night from the first watch of the night. It says, pour out your heart like pouring out water. Just like you have a pitcher of water and you're going to pour it out. God wants us to pour out our heart to Him. So tell God, first and foremost, tell Him. Matter of fact, I've asked you to go home and read a little bit in the book of Job. And I encourage you to do that this week. But there's three things, and I don't have a slide for this, but there's three parts of the book of Job that you'll see as you read through this book. The first part of the book, Job expresses his confusion. Write down the word confusion in your notes. He expresses confusion. He is confused at what's happening. I mean, wouldn't we all be? Right? I mean, you get all these reports, one right after another, and everything's gone. Yes, he is confused. The second part of the book of Job, he is complaining. Now, he's complaining to God, right? And to some friends that tried to help him out a little bit. And that's a whole other message. And I'm not going to go there and talk about some of the friends he had. Listen, there's some friends in your life you need to dump. Job had some. Are you with me? Hello? (laughs) That's a great message, by the way. But I don't have time to go preach that. Second part of the book, he expresses his complaint to why this is taking place. And the third part of the book is outright bold accusations that are taking place. A great book about going through a crisis and how to deal with that. Okay. So I want you to go home and look at that a little bit, but here's what I want you to do. I just want you to be completely honest with the Lord. Okay. Completely honest with God. So number one is tell God how you feel. All right. Get it. Good. All right. That's number one. Number two is this one. Number two is praise God in spite of your circumstances. Okay? Now, number one, I'm going to tell God how I feel. And number two, I'm going to praise him in spite of my circumstances. I've already alluded to the fact. I've laid the foundation you're going to go through some hard places. You're going to have some crisis. You're going to lose some loved ones. You're going to lose a job. You're going to battle with some type of sickness. Or a loved one's going to battle with some type of sickness. There's going to be financial problems. There's going to be relationship problems. There's going to be emotional problems. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. All these different types of crises that we have in our life. How do we deal with it? Tell God how you feel. Number two, praise Him in spite of your circumstances. Now, I'm going to praise God whether I understand or not. I don't have all the answers to it yet. And by the way, you may never get all the answers to why you're going through some of the things you're having to go through in this life. But it will be revealed to you once you get to heaven why you had to endure and go through some hard places that you've had to go through in this life. Okay? You'll get the answer to that eventually, most likely, when you get in heaven with the Lord. Then you'll understand. Then it says... Your eyes will see clearly. You will know. All right. But right now you may not get the answers. So don't wait till you get the answers before you start praising the Lord. Just tell him how you feel and then worship. Job was repenting, shaving his head, lamenting out to God, crying out to the Lord. And then the scripture says also that he was worshiping the Lord. Psalm 121. I want you to look at what Job said in this response. He had lost everything in one day. Maybe just in a matter of a few hours, he got the report that everything was gone. And look what he said in Job 1.21. I was born with nothing. I'll die with nothing. The Lord gives. And the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. It takes a man that's rock solid in his faith. To be able to make a statement like that, right? So praise the Lord in the midst of your circumstances i think i have in your sermon notes here and yes i do right under that reference of job 121 will a person continue to worship god if they lose everything listen that is what the book of job is all about the book of job is all about answering this one question will a person continue to worship god if they lose everything The question, also, I have in your notes for you Will a person continue to follow and to love God if everything goes wrong in his life? That is the question. Let me make it a little more personal. Would you? Would you continue to worship God if you were to lose everything? Would you continue to worship God? If everything was to go wrong in your life, would you continue to follow him? Would you continue to love him? Job gives us a great example, an illustration of a man who did just that. God's going to test your faith. If you say you love him, he's going to give you the opportunity to prove that you love him if you say you're going to follow him he's going to give you the opportunity to show that you are going to follow him if you say that you're going to worship him worship him he's really going to give you an opportunity to worship him right it's just the test the ultimate test of faith and god is watching to how you respond When you're going through a crisis, and you're going through hard places, and you're going through hardships, and you're going through some difficult places in life, God's watching how you're responding. Are you you responding like a person of faith? Or are we responding like someone who has nobody to turn to? And therefore, we're just looking to anybody and anything for something. Job immediately, as soon as he got the news, tore his cloak Repented, shaved his head, fell on his face before God, and worshipped. I hope I could be that type of a person. I really hope I could be that type of a person. I'm not going to be crazy dogmatic and tell you, that's me, that's exactly what I'll do. I, don't, I hope I would do that. I hope you would do that. Takes a, but the only way you can do that. You, you remember when, um, when the Lord told Saul at the time? That was becoming the Apostle Paul. Actually it was the Apostle Paul. And he was talking about the thorn that he had in his flesh. And he was praying that God would remove that thorn. Now we don't know what the thorn was. Some speculate it may have been his vision. Because he wrote large letters. We don't know what the thorn was. Scripture doesn't tell us clearly. What the thorn in his flesh was. But Paul was asking for it to be removed. And the Lord was watching. You remember how he responded. To the Apostle Paul at that time. I can't help but think he sat back like a like dad would in his big recliner, chuckle a little bit, say, Paul, you, you really don't know what you're asking for, but I tell you this my grace is sufficient for you. Right? So here's what I know about God's grace. God doesn't load you up on the front end with a boatload of grace. Are you with me? He doesn't load you up with a Tractor trailer load or a railroad train load of grace that you can go reach reach into and get it just anytime you want it. Here's what God does He gives it to you as you need it when you call unto Him. My grace is sufficient for you. So as you're going through a hardship, as you're going through a trial, as you're going through a crisis, if you fall on your face before God, tell him how you feel, praise him in the midst of your circumstances, you're going to find that just, you, man, you're just being bombarded with a ton of grace that's going to get you through every bit of this crisis that you're going through. Right? I love that. So I hope and pray you'll be a person like Job. Let me give you number three and four, and I've got to wind this thing down. Number three, ask God for strength and help. Okay? Ask God for strength and help. Psalm 105, verse 4 says, look to the Lord for strength. When your heart is breaking, when you're confused, when you're angry as a result of a tragedy, don't turn away from God, turn towards God. And what I want you to do is ask Him for strength and ask Him for help. Psalm 3, and verse 5, can I lie down and go to sleep? And can I wake up again because the Lord gives me strength? Listen, the first sign that you're not looking to God for the crisis that you're going through is the fact that you're sitting up all night long worrying about it and you can't get a good night's rest. That's the first sign that you're not giving it to God. Psalm 3, five says, hey, I can lay down to sleep in the midst of trials and persecution and heartaches and crisis. I can find peace. I can find comfort. I can find rest. And you can only do that when you tell God how you feel. When you praise him in the midst of your circumstances, and then when you ask him for strength and help, give it to the Lord. Fall on him. On him. You're going you're gonna to be amazed at how peaceful of a night's nice rest you're going to be able to have. Psalm 37. I don't know if I have this in your notes or not. Jot this reference down. Psalm 37, verse 39. It says, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Their refuge in a time of distress The Lord helps and delivers them. He will deliver them from the wicked and will save them because they take refuge in him. Psalm 37, 39 through 40. You need that. Right? So ask him for strength. He's waiting for you. He has everything you need. Right? Let me give you the fourth one. Keep focused on God and his promises. Keep focused on God and his promises. Now, this doesn't mean you have a crisis. You go to church on Sunday morning, you focus on God, then you leave and focus on your crisis. No, <laughs> right? You focus on God continually. Focus on Him. Lift your eyes into the hills when it's coming your help. The reason the psalmist said, "Lift your eyes into the hills when it's coming your help," because Jerusalem was the highest point in the whole area, so they were always lifting their eyes to the hills. What was there in Jerusalem? The tabernacle, right? The place where they worship God. That's why they were lifting their eyes there to the hill. That's where God was for them. What we've got to do is focus on the Lord and his promises. You realize there's over 6,000 promises in the word of God. And scripture tells us that every one of God's promises. This is King James vernacular is yea in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means you get every single one of them. They're all approved as long as you're in Christ Jesus. You're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. You have access to all 6,000 promises. And God said, yep, I'll give you every one of them. God's never gone back on His Word. He's never broken a promise. Over 6,000 in the Word of God are there. They're there for you. But you got to call out and ask God for them. You've got to know they're there. you got to get in the Word of God. you got to fall on your face before Him. Keep focused on Him. Dig out those promises When you're going through a hard place in life, you know what you need? You need a portion of God's word. Get into God's word. Dig in there to find the situation, the answer for your specific problem you're going through. And claim that thing and lay it out there before the Lord. It says all of God's promises are yea in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm just dumb enough to believe it. Right? If it says it, I believe it. It's called faith, right? Don't reason it away. Don't try to get too analytical with it. Some folks are just so analytical they just can't be people of faith. Just trust it and trust God, right? You don't have to know how it's all going to work out. Just trust Him. Look to God. Stay focused on Him and His promises. Now, let me give you a couple of things here in this last verse of Scripture, and I'll be done. I promise Second Corinthians 4, and I put the reference there for you. I even underlined for you. Matter of fact, I think I even italicized and underlined three different segments in that verse for you. Because I want you to get it. I want you to take it home. Now you may need to jot some things down with that so you won't forget it. But in this passage of Scripture, let me read it for you. It says, therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed... On the outside, we're going through this major crisis. Our inner person is being what? Read that next part. Renewed. How often? Day by day. Not just once when you're born again, but every day as we're falling on our face before the Lord, we're laying our problems before him. We're telling him exactly how we feel. We're praising him in the midst of our circumstances. We're focusing on God and his promises. All those four things. We're doing that. How often are we doing it? Day by day. As we're doing that day by day, our inner person is being what? Give me the word. Renewed. Shout that word out. Our inner person is being renewed. renewed. Say it like you believe it. Our inner person is being renewed. renewed. Guys, as you go through a crisis, you know what you need? You need to be renewed. Who's going to renew you? It's not the government. It's not man. It's not a political party. It's God. He will renew you. Oh, <laughs> that's good stuff, man. That's good preaching. I had not even got to the three things I was going to tell you. You need right here. Verse 17 for our momentary light affliction. I'm going to unpack that is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory So that we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. We're not focusing on what? What is seen? What, what is seen? The crisis, right? We're not focusing on that, are we? Are we church? No, you're gonna go through a crisis. If you focus on the crisis, that's all you're ever gonna see. We ain't focusing on the crisis. Say amen or on me, but say, this good stuff right here. We're not focusing on the crisis. Scripture says we're focusing on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is what? Eternal. Three things you need out of that verse. There's a lot you need. Now, I can probably preach a series of messages out of that one passage of Scripture. But three things I want you to get. I underlined them. I have them in italics. But you may need to pin some clarity through it. I want you to look in verse 17. For our momentary light affliction. You know what that tells me? That tells me that this crisis is temporary. Momentary light affliction. I'm not going to live in this the rest of my life. I've just got to get through it right now. It may be financial, it may be relationships, it may be career status or, or career crisis, it may be a storm. You may lose everything. You may lose the house and the farm. You know, I've always told, uh, of course, you may lose your family. God forbid that happened, but Job lost his. But I've always told my family, as we've lived our life by faith, making decisions on faith, not really knowing what the future would hold, where we would wind up, what would happen, I would say, listen, if we lose the house and the farm and everything, I don't care about any of that stuff. As long as we got our family and a tent I can probably pitch a tent in somebody's backyard and we'll be okay. Right? I want you to see that, verse 17, the crisis you're going through, all the troubles are temporary. You say, well, you just don't know, Pastor, man. I've been dealing with this stuff for years and I don't see any way out of it. Well, it's still going to be temporary in light of eternity. God may take you home to get you out of it. Right? And if you've been living with that affliction for 60 years, in the span of eternity, that's just a grain of sand on the seashore. It's still just a light affliction. Amen? But I even believe it's even smaller than that. I think there are different things we come through for a season of time in our life that God is working in our life to bring us through it to fulfill His purpose. And that's the second thing I want you to see. What's it producing? As we're going through this affliction, what's it producing? It's in your notes. It's producing for us, verse 17, it's producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. What does that mean? It just simply means that we can know that God is using the crisis that we're going through for a greater eternal purpose. And we may not get all that figured out until we get to heaven. And then you may be able to get some of it figured out while you're here. But God is working something in your life. Have you ever had those moments in your life where you have an aha moment? You're like, wow, I didn't even realize that I was doing that. And I've had folks come up to me before and say, and even tell my my wife about us and and how people watch your life and you don't even know they're watching your life and and how they, they got strength or they got something from you just by watching. You're like, wow, I didn't even realize they were paying attention. You see, God is working in and through your life and you may be going through a crisis not so much because you need it, but somebody else may need to see how a godly person responds to affliction. And they may need that lesson. So they're watching you, and so you're going through a thing, and woe is me, knowing it ain't even about you. God's working His eternal purpose in and through your life. Which at the end, there's going to be things you're going to benefit from and you're going to grow from it. I look at all the affliction I've had to go through in my life as a as a pastor and the hard places I've had to go through. It's made me such a stronger believer and a stronger Christian and a stronger man and a stronger pastor. And I wouldn't be the man I am today had I not had to go through every single one of these hard places and these afflictions that I've had to go through. So God is working in your life. But at the same time he's working in somebody else's that just may need to watch you go through it does that make sense okay third thing i want you to see second corinthians 4 the last thing in verse 18 so we do not focus on what is seen let's let's read that part together we do not focus on what is seen let's say it again we do not focus on what is seen what do you think that would be the crisis Right, thing you can. Say. We don't focus on that. How can I know? You don't focus on that. You live by faith. Rather, you focus on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. Right, what is unseen is eternal. This tells me that we are to keep our eyes on God, keep our eyes on Him, not on the crisis not on the affliction, not on the hard thing we're going through. Keep our eyes on God. So the real question is simply this. What is the foundation that you're building your life upon? And guys, I'm done with the message. But I promise you, every single person under the sound of my voice is going to need that. You will face a crisis. And it, it may not be Hurricane Irma that we are going to experience or Hurricane Harvey. There are people going through a crisis right now with that. They can use this. I realize it's difficult and hard. I'm not minimizing I'm not minimizing at all the crisis that they're in. But I'm telling you, the only way to get through any crisis, Psalm 121 I hope you'll memorize that verse of Scripture. Unpack that Psalm. I will lift mine eyes to the hills from which cometh my help and my help cometh from the Lord, Amen. You got to realize most scripture I memorize is always in the King James translation, so that's how I quote it. But lift our eyes to the hills, from whence cometh our help, and it comes from the Lord. Okay, so I hope that's been a blessing to you today. I hope you're building your foundation on the Lord. You got to get to work, I know. So we won't even have the praise band come back up. I think you got the message. Let me pray for you. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and, and I, just want, I really just want to help you today. Father, help us to know that the only way that we can focus on you in the midst of a crisis is when, first of all, we have focused on Jesus and trusted in him as our personal Lord and Savior. And my prayer is today, if there's one here in this room that does not know you as their Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day that they would give their heart and their life to you and trust in you. Everything I've shared has been on the assumption that we are a believer in Jesus Christ. And if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, my prayer is that right now they would give their heart and their life to you. I pray for believers now in this room. Every one of us are going to be faced with a crisis. Help us to respond in a way that will bring honor and glory to you. Father, I pray you help us to be that person that whenever we're faced with a crisis, that we'll be able to tell you exactly how we feel. That we'll be able to praise you in spite of our circumstances. That we'll be able to ask you for strength and for help. And that we'll be able to focus on you and all of your promises. Father, we're going to be facing crises in our life. I pray you give us the grace and the strength and the wisdom we need to be like Job. To where we fall on our face before you. Lament and repent unto you. And then worship you. That's the only way through a crisis. Lord, have your willing way in all of our hearts and all of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Well, thank you for joining us for this lesson from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360 or you can email us at victoryfwb at gmail.com. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email, call, or send a request to 223 Scott Troy Road, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.